We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to use the one that is in your seat. That's what it's there for. And I think it's on page 833. Uh, if you want to go ahead and turn there, it'd be great. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, have you ever gotten a letter or a note from someone and uh, you just found yourself reading it over and over and over again? Maybe some of you think about uh, back in your childhood, maybe your dad, your mom was kind of serving overseas and uh, you go up to the mailbox one day and you find a letter from your dad and you just read it over and over again. Some of you might think about uh, maybe the, the day that you got married, your wife or your husband gave you a letter right before you went up to make the vows at the altar. Uh, I had a friend or growing up in third grade, his name was Jeremy Phillips, and he uh, had a huge crush on this girl in our class, and so he wrote her this letter in George Strait fashion, said, do you love me? Do you want to be my friend? And he gave her two boxes, a yes box and a no box, and she checked the no and gave it back to him. And so he kept reading it, just going, why? <laughs> Poor kid. Uh, I think about uh, the summer before my junior year of college, uh, Courtney, who is now my wife, we've been dating for about a year, and she was going to London to study abroad for five weeks, which means she was going to London to have fun for five weeks. And she, uh, she came over to the place that I was staying right before I left, and, and she gave me uh, 35 different letters. She's sweet, right? She gave me a letter that I could read every day that she was going to be gone. And so I remember literally the first day I'd uh, wake up and roll over to where I kept all the letters. And I opened up the first one and I read it. I read it and read it and read it. I put it back on the nightstand and I got up and went to work. Came back to eat lunch, eat my turkey sandwich. And I read that letter again. And it was like that for like entire five weeks that she was gone. And you go, why in the world did you like keep reading it? Like, what is it about us that when we get a letter, why don't we find ourselves keep reading it? Is it, is it the words? We go, yeah, partially. I mean, the words are, are special and sweet. Is it the sentiment that just the thought that someone was thinking about you and so they went out of their way to write you this letter? Yeah, that's definitely part of it. But why I kept reading these words from from court was because it made me think of her, uh, because it reminded me of her. It reminded me of, of all the things that I loved about her. So as I was reading, I could like hear her voice reading it to me. I was thinking about her beautiful brown eyes and thinking about her incredible smile, and her great laugh, thinking about the way that she sometimes says inappropriate things. And she's so funny. <laughs> Just thinking about how much I loved her. And this morning, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be spending some time talking about Scripture, about the Bible. And uh, the truth is, I, I don't know what it is that you believe about this. I don't know what you were taught or what you were raised to believe. Um, but my goal for us this morning is for us to, to understand what this is. And don't get me wrong, I, I don't want us to leave here with... Uh, a 12-month plan of the way that we're going to commit to reading. And I don't want us to feel guilty if we haven't read in the past two years. I want us just to understand like, what this is. Uh, and then at the end, I'm just going to kind of share some ways that God has been using this to change my life. And uh, so I'm excited about this morning. Let's pray and we'll jump in 2 Timothy 3. 
Father, I pray that as we spend some time reading these words this morning, uh, that you will shape our hearts, that you will shape our minds, and that you'll give us a, a great understanding of who you are and what it is that you're desiring to do in us. And uh, Lord, I really do love the people that are gathered here. You don't even know most of them. Uh, but I just know how much you love them. And uh, this is just a special thing. We get to worship you and be your people. And uh, so open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes and ears. This is for Jesus. In him we pray. Amen. Starting in verse 14 of 2 Timothy 3. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those through whom you have learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want you just to close your eyes. These are just beautiful words. Read this one more time to us. It says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those through whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so I want to give us just kind of a brief context of what's going on here, so that we're not just picking a few verses out of scripture don't know what's going on. So this letter is written from a guy named Paul. He's one of the greatest men of God that have ever walked on the face of this planet. And he is mentoring this guy that he is uh, loving and discipling. This guy's name's Timothy. And so Paul's writing this letter to Timothy. Here's what you need to know about Timothy. He grew up in a Jewish culture, but he was a believer in Jesus from a young age. And so part of the culture that they grew up in, uh, starting out the age of around five, uh, your parents would start to teach you the scriptures. And so uh, they would tell you the story of, of God and you'd be sitting around the dinner table and they would talk about scripture. You would be taking a walk to the grocery store and be talking about scripture. They'd put you down at night for, to go to bed and they would tell you the story of scripture. And, and Timothy learned all this from his mother, his name Eunice, and his grandmother who was named Lois. We don't know where his dad was. And Paul was writing to this guy who's grown up in church, who knows about Jesus. And isn't it interesting that the way that he tells him, that what he tells him is that he has to remind him of the authority and the power of the scripture. And I go, man, that resonates with me. It resonates with some of you who've grown up in church, yet how often we need to be reminded of the purpose of scripture and the power of scripture. And so I love what what, what Paul does here, he, 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 he spends some time just really just saying some beautiful words. And I just want us to dig into these three or four verses the first word that, I guess it's two words that he, he says is that, verse 16, is that all scripture is God-breathed. And that, this word God-breathed, this is the only time that it's used in the entire Bible. It's made up of two words, uh, the Greek word theos, which means God, and the Greek word pneuma, which means spirit. And so he says that every bit of scripture is God-breathed. We go, what does that mean? We don't talk like that in our context, right? What, what this means, what God-breathed means is that every word is from the mind and the heart 
in the mouth of God. I just want you to like to soak that in for a second that every word in scripture is from God. That every single word we have in here is from his mouth. And I go, that changes the way that we, we, we receive this, right? Because this is not just some guy's articulation on who God is. This is not just some girl's experience with God and the things that she has seen him do. This is so much more than just some brilliant biblical scholar's attempt to make sense of God. This is so much more than what Francis Chan and Rick Warren are learning about God. These are words that have their origin in the heart of God, okay? Which means that we receive this different. It means that we receive this with reverence and with awe because we understand that the God who is invisible right? The God we cannot see, the God who is immortal, the God who cannot be destroyed, the God who is eternal, the God who will endure through all seasons, the God who lives in unapproachable light, the God who lives in heaven where he is surrounded with thousands and thousands and thousands of creatures that constantly sing his praise. The God who created all things is a God who has spoken and has recorded it for us. And I go, wow, that is a lot. This means that we treat this different than we do other books. You go, man, why are you harping on this? Why is it such a big deal that we understand what, what God breathed means? Because uh, you see, if, if this isn't true, if this is not from God, if this is just uh, from human beings like you and I, just normal people who are sitting around writing about their experiences with God, then let's treat it like it's just any other book, okay? If this is not from God, let's treat it like it's the, the number one bestseller on New York Times, right? Uh, let, let's treat it like it's uh, just another book. Let's sit around a coffee shop and talk about the things that we agree with and disagree with. Let's sit around our favorite coffee shop and talk about the things that we like and dislike. And let's treat this like it's a bunch of experiences and suggestions, but let's not treat it like it's authoritative. But what we know is that this is from God. These are his very words. And so we treat it different. There aren't suggestions. This is who he is. Uh, do you realize that this is the only book that has ever been written, that will ever be written, that's written from the perspective of the one who sees everything and who understands everything and who knows everything? It's important for us to understand that this is God-breathed. Uh, I, I love... He goes on to tell us some beautiful things about uh, the purpose of Scripture because if we go, okay, so we know what, what it means to be breathed from God, what does it mean? And the good question is, well, why does he give it to us? Right? Maybe that's a question you've asked for. What's the purpose of the Bible? Some of us, uh, we, uh, we, we, what we believe to be true about God, we project on a Scripture. And so we don't even realize that we do this, but it's true. Some of us, we believe that God is like this angry hall monitor. Maybe you have a hall monitor growing up in school that's walking around with a clipboard in one hand and a whip in the other, and he's just waiting to find some kid skipping class so we can punish him. And you wouldn't admit this, but this is the way that you view God, that he's waiting to zap you. And so when you read scripture, the way that you read this is a bunch of rules you read this and you go, if I keep this, if I do this, then it will keep an angry God happy. It'll keep him off my back. Now, some of you, the way that you believe what you believe about God is that he is some distant fairy sitting on a cloud that does not care what we do as long as we love each other. 
And so that impacts and affects the way that you read scripture as well. Because instead of viewing this as authoritative, you view this as a bunch of suggestions. And so what I want us to do is I want us to really camp out in these three verses and listen to what the Bible tells us about scripture. Because it will give us a better picture of who our God is. Does that make sense? So there are kind of six things um, that Paul tells us about the way that Scripture is intended to function. He says the first thing in verse 15. He says, The Scriptures, they are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Layman's term, what he's saying is that Scripture gives us faith in Jesus. If you're taking notes, you want to write that down. Scripture gives us faith in Jesus. I want to debunk two things and then go back and just kind of explain what this means. A lot of us believe and have been treating Scripture in one of two ways. Uh, We treat Scripture like it's an end itself. Uh, And this is where the Pharisees went wrong, where they spent so much time just reading the Bible and studying the Bible and memorizing the Bible and talking about the Bible, and they believed that it was all about having the right answers. Scripture is not an end itself. And the second thing that the scripture is not is a means to salvation, or it's not salvation itself. Uh, And some of us, we treat scripture like this. We believe that if we read scripture and if we're studying scripture, that that God is somehow pleased with us and that he saves us. I remember my freshman year of college was having this conversation with a guy who goes to our church here now, his name's Sam. I remember we were standing out in front of the dorm and he asked me how much time, if, if I ever spent time reading the Bible just for my own soul. I was like, no. He said, if you're studying ministry, like if you're studying to be a, a pastor, someone who preaches and proclaims the gospel, he's like, you can't let the only time that you be in the word when you're preparing for a sermon. He said, you can't let the only time that you're in the word is when you're writing a paper. He said, your soul's got to be nourished on the scriptures. And so I remember going, yeah, that's true. And so I think for the first time, that was kind of the point in my life where I started getting serious about reading the Bible. Up until that point, you know, I was 20 years old. I'd grown up in church. And so uh, the extent of my reading was essentially me laying in bed at night going, what should I read? I'll start in the book of Matthew. And of course, you skip Matthew chapter one because no one likes to read a bunch of names. I go to Matthew chapter two and I'm reading. I'm like curious and and I make a commitment I'm going to read every day. And I make it three days. And I don't read the Bible again for a month. It's kind of the story of the way that I read Scripture. When I was 20, I said, I'm going to start reading it different. I'm going to start just trying to read it every day. And so I would read for four or five days in a row. And I would feel incredibly connected to God. I would feel like he was pleased with me and he was happy. And then there would be an inevitable day where I wouldn't read. I had too many tests or something more important like intramural football or something. That's the way my mind worked back then. And I wouldn't read the Bible. And it was those days where I instantly felt guilty. The days that I was reading scripture, I felt connected to God and happy. And the days that I wasn't reading, I felt like he was angry at me. And what I realized is that I wasn't treating scripture the way that it was intended to be treated. I was treating it like it was a way that God was looking at me in as, as a checklist, going, is Brandon reading today? If he is, then he's good. If he's not, then he's bad. And that's not the way that Scripture was intended. Paul tells us the first thing, that, that Scripture is intended to give us faith in Jesus. And what he means by that uh, is that Scripture helps us see how much we need Jesus. 
it helps us see just who he is, just how wonderful he is. It would not take long for us if we started reading the Bible to find things that disturbed us. So I'm telling you, if you read, started in Genesis chapter one and just read three or four chapters, uh, immediately right off the bat, you're going to find things that bother you. And it's not, uh, the things that aren't going to bother you are not God. The things that will bother you are the things that humans do. And so right off the bat, what you see is you see man and woman living in a garden with God. They don't even, they're not working. Like their work is picking fruit from trees, swinging in hammocks, hanging out with the animals. God says, gives them some things to do. And right off the bat, what we see is disobedience. You read a few more chapters and what you see is murder. And not just like murder of some random person, but murdering your own flesh and blood, your brother. We see lust. We see hatred. We see vengeance. We see lying. We see all these things. And as we start to read scripture and as it starts to disgust us, what we realize is that, that this is our story. I'm not saying that your, like your name is literally written in the Bible. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the same sins, the same struggles, the same temptations that people were going through are the same sins and struggles and temptations that we're going through. I remember reading about this guy named Jacob a couple years ago. He's in the book of Genesis, if you're interested. And here's what stood out to me about Jacob. He was such a tool. I'm serious. If you read about him, he is conniving and manipulative Uh, He is a liar and a cheater. He is a fraud. He is a coward. He is a mama's boy. He cares nothing about like living for living rightly. And I, I look at this guy named Jacob and I go, man, how in the world does God keep loving this guy, keep blessing this guy, keep drawing near this guy? Why doesn't God zap this guy with a lightning bolt? Because he literally deserves to die. He is such a terrible person. And what I realized is that Jacob is me. That all the things I couldn't stand about Jacob were the things that were true in my own life. And so one of the, 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 the beautiful things about Scripture is it helps us see just how sinful we are. And you go, man, why do I want to read Scripture if it's just going to make me feel sinful? Because not only does it make us, sin, make us aware of our sin, but it makes us aware of the one who deals with our sin. And so we read scripture and we're convicted about the things that we're doing. And then we read about God coming down from heaven in the form of Jesus to deal with our sin. But what we see in scripture is that all of our sin, all of our bad choices, all of the things that are inside of us that are not in accordance with the will of God, they have consequences. Our sin like literally just permeates and fills this world. And God cannot sit in heaven and passively just let sin just take over? Because he is righteous, because he is perfect, because he is holy, his very nature demands that he deals with the sin and the consequences. And what we see in scripture is that God coming down to deal with our consequences. Uh, You know, I grew up in a house where uh, when I was young, the way that my parents chose to discipline us was, was through spanking. And so I remember this one time, I don't remember what I did. I probably said a cuss word. I was into Ninja Turtles and they cussed. And so that's probably what I did too. I remember my mom took me to the bedroom and she said, you're getting a spanking. 
And uh, so she just took her hand and she was just spanking me. And I remember I looked back up at her after she's done. I said, that didn't hurt, which is like the worst thing you can do as a kid, right? She went and got the belt. Felt much better, if you're wondering. <laughs> I remember getting spanked a lot as a kid. And I never remember my brother offering to take my spankings for me. He's a terrible person, you know. Like my brother, he just sat there and laughed at me, watched me as I got my butt spanked. Uh, a little bit older, I remember uh, when spankings were no longer working, they would take away our allowance, and so we would do chores all over the house, clean the toilets and clean the baseboards, pointless stuff like that. And my parents would give us like two bucks or something a month. And I remember when I wouldn't do the chores or when I would misbehave at school or do something I wasn't supposed to, they would take away my allowance. Do you know that my brother never offered to give his allowance so that I could keep mine? Is he a terrible person? You know, and I think a lot of times we, the way that we view Jesus as we read the scripture, we hear about the gospel and we go, of course he took our sin. Of course he took our consequences. But do you realize that like we would be separated from God? Like there's absolutely nothing we can do to be in a right relationship with God. And like, even if we started trying right now for the, our entire past, it has been on a trajectory. It has sent us spiraling away from God and there's nothing we can do about it. And the hope and the light and that we see in Scripture is that the way that we are justified, the way that we are reconciled, the way that we are made right with God is through Jesus. And not by jumping through a bunch of hoops and not by keeping a bunch of commandments, but by having faith in Jesus. And by that, I mean we just accept and we believe that we are sinners and there's nothing that we can do to be righteous, but that Jesus alone makes us righteous. That's what faith is. Believing and trusting in a God who makes his people righteous that are not righteous. And so scripture helps us have faith. Some of you go, why don't I have faith? Why aren't you reading scripture? And I'm not saying it's the only anecdote. It's not the only thing that's going to heal your heart. But if you're going, man, I don't have any faith. I would ask you, do you ever spend time in the word of God? Because the purpose of scripture, the preliminary purpose of scripture is to give us faith in Jesus. Second thing. Scripture, the second purpose of Scripture is to teach us. So in verse 16, Paul says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. We go teaching about what? Is he teaching behaviors? Well, kind of. I mean, you can't deny that in Scripture, that, that there are things in there that talk about the way that people of God are supposed to live. Is he talking about teaching morals? Well, kind of. I mean, he's teaching us things that we believe, but also things that, that we do. But what he's talking about teaching is the purpose of Scripture is to teach us about Jesus, uh, to help us see all that he has said, all that he has done, all that he is doing, and all that he will do. Scripture shows us the way that Jesus treated sinful people. It shows us the way that Jesus dealt with sin. It shows us what Jesus is going to do in the future. So the purpose of Scripture is to teach us about King Jesus. Second purpose, or the third purpose of Scripture is rebuking. Paul goes on to say, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking. Uh, the idea of rebuking is, is making us aware of where we are failing to live like Jesus. It's making us aware of the places in our life where we're not living for Jesus. Uh, you know, wouldn't it be a terrible thing for us who are Christians just to go through our entire lives thinking that we were living a life that was pleasing to God, thinking that we were on the right path, 
And then we get to the end of our lives and we stand in front of God and we realize that we had been doing things all along, all wrong the whole way. I go, man, rebuking is a gift from God because he is constantly, as we are walking on this faith journey towards Jesus to be with him, he is constantly helping us, pointing out the areas where we're not living like Jesus. You know, all of us, maybe not all of us, a lot of us are, we, we love technology Right? We love our computers and our phones. Like, do any of you guys ever get mad when you're typing up a document? Do any of you ever get mad when you misspell a word and it autocorrects itself for you? No. Right? But yet there's something about us that when we are rebuked, when there are things that are pointed out in us that are not right, kind of rubs us the wrong way. It rebukes us. The fourth thing that it does is that it corrects us. And so not only will Scripture point out the things in our lives that we're not doing right, but it will then point us in the direction that we're supposed to go. So what this means is that all throughout Scripture, I mean, we can attack this with any kind of sin. Let's just talk about the sin of of gossip, of slander. Uh, We know in Scripture that, that God is against that. That that is not what he is for. That's not what his people are called to be. And so uh, when we are caught up in gossiping and slandering, we read something in scripture about that, right? It just kind of convicts us inside. But God doesn't just rebuke us, doesn't just convict us for the sake of conviction. He'll then correct us. He says, don't use your words to to gossip and slander. Use your words to encourage each other. So he, he confronts the thing that's wrong and then he gives us a better way to live. The fifth thing that scripture does is that it trains us for righteousness. I love this picture. I don't know if you noticed this or not. But the idea is that God points out the things in us that are not consistent with who Jesus is. And then he points us in a direction so that we can live life in a way that brings glory to Jesus. And then he gives us things to do that train us to live like Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? You know, isn't the thought of, of correction or isn't the thought of rebuking without any correction or without any training a terrible and bad thing? And yet our God looks at us and he helps us and he shows us and he gives us ways to live for him. Uh, the summer before my junior year of high school, I went with some friends from our football team to this uh, kind of individual football camp. And kind of the whole purpose of it was a specialized camp. The the coaches were basically just evaluating everything that you did. Uh, The whole purpose of the camp was to look at things that you were doing wrong, to point those things out, to to show you a better way of doing them, and then to train you so that you could be better. I remember I went to this football camp, and it did not take them long to start noticing the things that were terrible about me, Uh, pointing out how terrible my footwork was, how terrible, like... uh, how I was throwing the ball like down here next to my ear, like they just pointed out all these things that I was doing wrong. But then they not only just point them out, then they told me uh, what I needed to do instead. They said, you're throwing the ball down here, which means that uh, there's a line in front of you and a defensive line on the other side of that and their hands are up. And if you throw the ball from right here, every time you throw it, it's going to get knocked down. You're going to like hit your alignment in the back of the head. Said you've got to get the ball up higher. You've got to release it from the highest point. So he helped me see what I was doing wrong. He told me what I needed to do. And then he gave me like things to do so that I could practice, so that I could throw the ball like that. So every day, like every day before practice, I'd have to get out there early. And we had this like just white trash, like PVC pipe with these like two wooden structures. It looked so trashy. And I had to just stand 50 balls every time, just like this, just practice and keep my elbow up. 
When we were throwing routes, I had to have that PVC pipe in front of me, and I had to learn how to throw over it every single route. I loved it because uh, they didn't just tell me what I was doing wrong, but they told me how to correct it and then gave me the ability to correct it myself. And I love that picture of Scripture, that God is God that is giving us ways to be trained to live a righteous life. That's what is hidden in, this, in these pages. And the sixth thing that Scripture does, the sixth purpose, is to equip the people of God for every good work. To equip us for every good work. Verse 17, it says, so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped. Uh, the words there for thoroughly equipped, it's this beautiful word. It literally means fully conditioned. It means tip-top shape. It means you are absolutely ready for anything. It means that the person who is nourished on the word of God, the person who is, who is loving and cherishing and in the word of God is a person who is ready for anything. He's ready for no, whatever comes his way. You know, when Court was gone, those five weeks in London, uh, I remember just reading those words, memorizing those words, thinking about those words, cherishing those words. And if you're honest, this is a way that some of you read scripture, uh, but most of us just aren't there yet. Uh, most of us, when we read scripture, it still feels like work. Right? It's like eating like spinach when you were a kid. Like you didn't want to do it, but you had to. What I love about Scripture, though, is that the more we commit to it, our perspective changes. I remember when I was in college and I started making that commitment to spend time in the Word. How literally, like, my life changed. And you, like can disregard this, you can say it's baloney, but I'm telling you, the single thing that helped me love Jesus, that helped me focus on who he was more than anything was the word of God, was scripture. I found three or four things to be true in my own life as I read scripture, as I love scripture, as I cherish scripture, as I thought, as I thought about scripture. First thing is I realized just how much joy I had. Because the truth is that when you are reading scripture and when you read about the God that is described here and you read about the plan of salvation through this man named Jesus, like joy just swells up inside of you. I remember like it's, and it, it's still true to this day. Like whenever I open scripture, there's just something about it that just fills me up. God says that he breathes these words, like these are God-breathed. There's something happened, though, and like when I read these words, that God breathes something inside of me. I was reading this psalm just yesterday morning, talking about how the people of God were, were rebelling against God. I think it's Psalm 77, but I could be wrong. The, the people of God were rebelling against God and running from God. They were setting up these idols and worshiping things other than God. And it said that it just stirred angry. It just made God so angry to watch his people like being adulterous. And he was ready to like punish them. And I love what it said in the middle of the chapter. It says, but he relented because he remembered that they are but, that they are but dust. He relented because he remembered that their days were few. And I love this picture that we get of the God in Scripture. A God that when you read about him and when you, when you, when you, when you study this and when you love it, you think about what you're going to notice is that he is an incredible, loving, and faithful, and patient God. 
There's so much joy in my life because I was spending time in the Word. The second thing that I learned is how prepared Scripture just made me for life. I can't tell you how many times I'd be in a conversation with someone or someone would come over for dinner or we would be, I'd be having coffee with someone and this thing, the things that they were going through like were the exact same things that I'd been reading that morning in Scripture or the exact, the exact thing that I'd been reading earlier that week or earlier that month and it's so unbelievable how many times you're sitting with someone and the things that they're going through because I'd been in the Word, God was able to speak words from Scripture into their lives to encourage or rebuke or whatever. And scripture just has this way of preparing us, like he says, for every good work. And the third thing that I realized about the word is how it just became such a part of my day. I remember talking to a guy who comes to the five o'clock here. His name's Bill. And I was looking at his life. He's just this awesome man. This is a guy who just is crazy about his wife. Been married like 30 years. He's crazy about his wife. He's raised kids that are believers that love the Lord. And he loves his kids. Always talking about his kids. This guy disciples young men. This guy is, is sharing the gospel with his coworkers. Everywhere he goes, all he can talk about is Jesus. And so I, I started looking at this guy's life. And I'm going, there's something different about him. So I just started talking to him. What is it about you? Like, how do you love Jesus so much? What is it about your life that makes you love him? And he said, you know, I've been in the Word consistently for about the past 30 years. He said, and I remember three days. There's only been three days where I haven't read the Bible. And I go, oh, my goodness. You see, because he wasn't treating Scripture like it was an end in itself. He didn't treat it like it saved him. What he realized is that the more he read Scripture, the more he thought about Jesus, the more he became like Jesus, the more he lived in obedience to the Scripture, the more he became like Jesus. And so what he did for me, man, I can never thank him enough. All the things that he is are things that I want to be, and I realize, man, that if this is key to it, I will devote the rest of my life to learning this and reading this and loving this. So what do we do with this? It's God breathed. We know the purpose of it. I, 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 I pray like that we become a people that cherish these words. Uh, that we become a people who love these words and who know these words and they just flow out of us naturally. I pray that we're not just the people who talk about Scripture and act like we know Scripture and pretend like we love Scripture, but that we become people who actually love Scripture because we realize that when we are in Scripture, we are connecting with Almighty God. So here's what we do with this. It is so unbelievably simple. We spend time in it, right? I mean, we, if these really are the words from God, don't we want to know Him? Uh, and wouldn't it be easier if like we didn't have to read this, if he would just like download stuff into our minds, <laughs> we could just wake up and we knew him. But there's part of our journey that God says, if you want to know me, seek me. Part of the way we seek him is through scripture. And so I pray that God will stir up a hunger in us. Uh, for those of you guys who have never read the Bible, I just encourage you to read the Bible. Read one verse a day. Uh, for those of you guys who uh, have, have, haven't read the Bible in a couple months, just start reading. You don't have to commit to reading six hours a day, but just start reading. 
For those of you guys who are consistently in the word of God, let me encourage you to keep thinking about scripture, to keep being in scripture, to keep looking for ways to incorporate scripture into your life. Because what I believe about this is that these are the words of God. And if the words from God could breathe life into dead people, if the word of God could, could speak and the sun could rise and, and light and darkness could separate, if the word of God has the ability to, to make animals and all that we see, then the word of God can do something in us. I pray that you and I will start to believe this to be true. We'll accept it for what it is. And maybe over time, no, it's not maybe, it, it will happen. We'll start to realize that this is a beautiful letter from our Father. In the same way that we cling to words and cherish words and hold on to words from our loved ones that we get to see here on earth, we'll start to cling to these words and realize that these are from our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. God, what an awesome God you are. And tell us in Scripture that there's nowhere that we can go that can escape you. If we were to go to the highest heaven or the lowest depths of the earth, if we were to go as far east and far west, God, you were there. And we take great comfort in that, knowing that you are here with us, knowing that you see us, knowing that the reason you are pleased with us is not because we read or pray or fast. The reason you are pleased with us is because of Jesus, because we have decided to be his people. And so God, I pray that you'll overwhelm us with how much you love us. I pray that you will fill us with the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that we will be your people. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, all these things, amen.